because you got to lose 14, 15 games to get a guy to look like you. Chase Young to the 49ers. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I feel like Chase is going to be a nightmare, man. They've got Nick Bosa and Chase Young. It's, Yo, this is ridiculous, I mean, it's man. the Ohio State University's oh. finest. for the 49ers that's being wildly undersold let's talk about what he's going to bring to the squad and what we can expect heading into this week let's get into it wanted to jump on here wasn't planning on talking about the acquisition of chase young i know that there's been a lot of media coverage around it but everything i've been witnessing via the internet i noticed that it is being dramatically undersold of the player that we're getting that the san francisco 49ers are getting when we look at chase young he was drafted in 2020 he was the defensive rookie of the year for that season you don't get drafted number two unless you're an absolute Dog, minus a couple quarterbacks that get drafted high that don't pan out, but different position. So the dude's 6'5", 264, and has elite movement. He is great with pure power. He's long and fast. And my God, we have been needing an edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa ever since the D4 debacle. Well, we have to talk about culture matters in the NFL. He is coming from the shit dick Washington Commanders, where a coach, Ron Rivera, doesn't know what he's saying half the time, doesn't seem to be very present during these games. They do have some studs over there, but we all know a change in ownership, coach most likely on his way out, coach and staff, and then pivot that to the San Francisco 49ers, a stable, historic franchise in the NFL that Jed York, since taking over, has mightily stepped up. And then you look into the coaches. So we already know Chase Young, just a genetic freak. He's a huge dude. He's got power and speed. Some of the things that people have been pointing out as negatives towards him, that he's trying to, he's an undisciplined player. He goes off script to try to make big splash plays. Well, when you're on a team of the Washington Commanders and you really have no hope, his fifth year option wasn't picked up by the Washington Commanders. He's on a contract year. So yeah, he's going to try to make some fucking plays. That is not a surprise. Now insert getting traded to San Francisco 49ers, an elite team that has aspirations to go deep into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. Then we look at the coaching staff. I think if you were to ask any NFL coaching circle, talk around people around the league, in the league, scouts, whoever, Chris Kacarek is known as being one of the top tier defensive line coaches in all the NFL. And you think about what he asks of his players. So I think we can all agree based on some of the players that have been here before in prior years, Samson Ebukam, that they get here seen as players that are had a lot of potential, didn't really work out on their former team. Then they come to the 49ers. Chris Kacarek gets his hands on them, become a dominant player. And then they go get a contract and go to another team. We have built a factory of those types of players. And Chase Young, by far, is the most talented of any player that we have picked up in a midseason trade or in the offseason. So when you insert Chris Kacarek's knowledge and what he's going to demand 
from Chase Young, and then now teaming up with Nick Bosa. We got two Ohio State Buckeye boys now rushing the passer off the edges. And then outside of just Nick Bosa, then who else can he talk to? Oh, wait, he happens to know a guy. The best left tackle in the game, Trent Williams. We have a guy that has a lot of talent, and then he gets to soak up the knowledge of one of the best pass rushers in the NFL who just got a massive contract, who he's former teammates with. And then another guy he knows who happens to be the best left tackle in Trent Williams and getting to understand how he operates when defensive linemen do different types of moves and what he's trying to achieve and how Chase Young can counteract that. Culture matters, environments matters, and the 49ers, you couldn't even put the Washington Commanders in the same league or category of the San Francisco 49ers. Just can't do it. Don't do it. Won't do it. And a couple of things as well on top of that, Chase Young has more sacks than any 49ers football player currently on the defense. He has five sacks. Actually, according to ESPN Analytics, Chase is ranked number 11 in the NFL among edge rushers. He has been very productive this year. Yes, he has had injuries before years prior, which has held him back. Obviously, just not only the psychological toll it takes, but the physical toll, getting your legs under you. We all hear the stuff that players talk about when they come back off injury. He has been playing a shit ton of snaps at the commanders, like not coming off the field type of snap count. So he has been proven. He is healthy. He's good to go. Chase Young's immediate impact. To no one's surprise, at least definitely not my surprise, if you go ahead and look up the 49ers depth chart right now, Chase Young is already moved to the starting role. The reason we went out and got Chase Young, Drake Jackson, Cleveland Farrell, Randy Gregory. And I wouldn't even put Randy Gregory in there. But Cleveland Farrell that we grabbed, and then Drake Jackson, who was supposed to take leaps and bounds this offseason and actually become a solidified pass rusher opposite Nick. As I've stated in many other videos, Drake Jackson has been M-I-A. Minus the Steelers game, I understand that. But since that point, since his three sacks in the first game of the season, he's been M-I-A. And with this Chase Young signing and him already getting moved up in the depth chart of the roster, I don't even know if Drake Jackson is going to dress. But nonetheless, he hasn't been getting it done Cleveland Farrell hasn't been getting it done. Randy Gregory, he's been productive. He's been average, but productive. Definitely more productive uh, than the other two. And we just got him. So when you start thinking about January football, when playoffs, when it really matters, and going deep into the season, especially since we hit this three-game skid, depth is key to teams that are successful going deep in the playoffs. And now, just adding this one more piece, it just adds that much more depth to this already loaded 49ers defensive roster. So what is Chase Young's immediate impact? He's already been moved up as a starter, which he will start. And since he's become a starter, so one thing I was looking at how Chase Young was was playing in that defense, I don't know the defensive scheme specifically, but he stood up a lot in the two-point stance versus getting down, you know, all four in the dirt. I've heard some people say that he liked the vantage point of it. He didn't make a comment when he was asked the, the question on his media day the other day, but... A decent amount from standing up. Is that something that it was a comfort level with certain things that we had to do in defense. That's how I keep it there. Is that something that would carry over just with this defense? Um, no, nah, I don't think so. I understand that you have a better vantage point of seeing what's behind, what's going on behind the line of scrimmage. A big part of the 49ers defensive line and what we ask them to do is by simplifying their assignments via a gap scheme. So we give them an assignment. Here's your rush lane, attack, and dominate. And part of that is what it does is it allows the boys up front to pin their ear back and attack their lane. See ball, get ball is oftentimes what it's described as. What can we expect 
heading into the Jaguars game. The Jaguars team has been playing very good. They're 6-2. and two, We're 5-3. and three. If we were to have the playoffs right now, the Jaguars would be the, uh, the three seed in the AFC, and we'd be the three seed in the NFC. They're not a joke. This isn't the typical Jags. They have been fucking dominant, minus really just the games in the beginning of the year. But one thing that I've noticed watching some of the Jacksonville Jaguars' previous games is they have a rookie right tackle, Anton Harrison. That is their weak point. When you look at their entire offense, they got fucking playmakers all over the field. ETN's a dynamic back. They got three receivers and a tight end who's basically like a Travis Kelsey. The dude just fucking flies around, catches everything that's thrown his way. So they have a lot of weapons. Weapons is not definitely not their weakness. But when you look at tape of other teams that are playing, specifically when I watch the Chiefs play the Jags, Chris Jones ate Anton Harrison for lunch all game. So when we think about Chase Young being opposite Nick Bosa, we know they're not going to get away from throwing two bodies at Nick Bosa because he's a game wrecker. What does that mean for everyone else? That means they need they need to win their one-on-ones. And Chase Young is going to be a big part of that. They can't double everybody. And the thing that Chase has on his side is power and speed. So he's got to get to the quarterback and our D-line has to eat. Because Trevor Lawrence has been playing really good this year. He gets the ball out quick. He's decisive. He's a sneaky runner, which that obviously worries me. If you just look back in the history of the 49ers, we always seem to struggle with running quarterbacks. And he's sneaky athletic when it comes to running. And he's fucking huge as well. But here's also another little twist that I found actually very, quite interesting. So far this year, Trevor Lawrence has played worse at home than he has on away games. At home, he has an 86.1 quarterback rating. 86.1 at home. Now, when he's away on the road, he's got a 101 quarterback rating. That is something interesting and just trying to take into account. Also, when you look at home versus the road as it relates to Trevor Lawrence, he throws on average eight yards per attempt on the road and 6.1 yards per attempt at home. So you got a, a quarterback who's, who has an 86.1 QBR with his average pass attempt being 6.1 yards at home versus when he's away, 101 QBR with an average of eight yards per pass attempt. So something to take into account. Again, their team is really good. They also are coming off the bye, which of course is what happens. We've been playing a whole bunch of teams that are coming off a bye and we're playing, i.e. the Bengals. And of course, when we potentially have a leg up, the Jags are also on the bye as well. And we got to fly across the country, but no excuses should be a hell of a game and almost essentially a must win for the 49ers. You can't lose four games in a row. You just fucking can't do it. Not when you're a team that was coming in so hot, has this many dudes all over the field. We need to get a fucking win. And I believe we'll do that. The last thing, the last thing I'll touch on, Steve Wilkes, it has been announced he will be no longer calling plays from the booth and they are moving him down to the field. What does it all mean? Let me be clear. Steve Wilkes, although he looks like a lifeless body with zero emotion up in the booth whenever they show, put the camera on him during the games, that's what he's been doing his whole career. This was not his decision to come down from the booth onto the field. This was a Kyle decision. And let me tell you, for anybody that remotely watches the 49ers and have kept up with how the team's been running ever since Kyle Shanahan's taken over as head coach, Kyle doesn't care if Steve Wilkes is in the booth, if he's in the field. Kyle even came out and said earlier this week that as an offensive play caller, even though he rarely got an opportunity to do it, he likes to call offensive plays from the booth. Better vantage point, you can truly see 
what's happening on every offensive play, what the defense, how they're reacting to the different play calls you you make. So for Steve Wilkes to come on in the interview and say, you know, hey, I want to be able to directly communicate with the players, it's all bullshit. Kyle said, Steve, this is my team. You're coaching on the field. But why did Kyle say that? The only thing I can think of that would actually be logical is Kyle spoke with the defensive players, all the ones we suspect, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and rightfully so values their opinion. Those guys know what the fuck they're doing. Those dudes are absolute dogs. And it had to be them that said, we prefer having a direct line of communication to Wilkes. We can adjust and we can go directly to talk to him versus only one person being able to jump on the phone call at once. And my God, I think Steve Wilkes, let's talk to the DBs as well too. Isn't that your specialty? The one thing I'm worried about is how much camera time he'll get onto it because if the defense doesn't play good, it's going to get loud and it's going to get loud fucking fast. It's either that or it's just they're so desperate to try to figure out what's going on with the defense that they're just trying something just to try it. Just get your ass down here, experience the emotion, show a little emotion too, and just be in tune with your defense. To wrap things up here, again, I can't stress enough Chase Young, a major upgrade. I'm fucking jacked to see what he is going to do this weekend and moving forward and how he's going to help this squad because he will, especially an upgrade when you look at who's been there currently, Randy Gregory, who's been doing well, Drake Jackson, MIA, and Cleveland Farrell, who's been average. This is a 49ers win, and it can't be understated that when a player is on a contract year like Chase Young is, that makes them extra motivated. The 49ers rank, the 49ers currently rank 24th out of 32 teams in their pressure rate of their pass rush. 24th. That's why we brought in Chase Young. The job hasn't been getting done even remotely to the level that the organization is expecting and, of course, what the fans are expecting. Give massive props to John Lynch as GM and now as well as president of operations. This is his 10th midseason move. The prior regime to him did one. And it's his seventh year as GM. He has made 10 in-season moves. I absolutely love now that the 49ers are an aggressive organization. Jed York's on board for it. John Lynch has been implementing it. And you know Kyle Shanahan is just as involved signing off on these players that we go get. But it's been absolutely amazing to see. And the fact that John Lynch was able to get this deal done, he so happened to be teammates of the GM of the Commanders. So there is definitely a relationship component to this. And we gave away a third round compensatory pick. It was basically an extra pick that we didn't even have if it wasn't for some of our promotions of other coaches going to other teams. I mean, we, I mean, we, we look into everything. And, you know, we didn't think we were going to be able to do that. You know, it was, they were looking into a lot of stuff at first. And so, I mean, I remember a couple hours before that, we thought it was done. And then things always change. You know, you never know what's going to happen and really what the market is. And they called us and told us what it was. And that made a lot of sense to us. And to be able to add a player like him and to be able to do it for what we got him for, um, you know, one of our comp third round picks, we felt great about that. Um, we've always loved him as a player. Uh, we always value D-linemen a lot, and um, we also value our draft picks and stuff and what's in the future. But when you have an opportunity for a guy like that, and it was one of our bonus ones, uh, we felt pretty fortunate to get it, and we won't look back. And I'll leave it with this. I was listening to Fred Warner's podcast recently, The Warner House, and he happened to have on Big Play Dre, Dre Greenlaw. And I think it's important people hear this. They're talking about how they feel about the season thus far and where their head's at. It's a good peek behind the curtain that I think everyone will like and enjoy seeing where their heads are at. So until next time, y'all, 
Enjoy the clip. Like, subscribe, comment. Hit me up. See you next time. Peace. And uh, I think we're going to be just fine, man. I don't have no panic about, like, where we are as a team. You know what I mean? We've been way worse. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, like, we know we we know what we can do and we know what we have to do. So, like I said, like, this is the part about ball that I love, you know what I mean, where shit ain't going right. You know, you feel sad, everybody feeling sad, and it's like, all right, so how do you get out of it? Or how do you, you know, and you just got to want better for yourself, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you were saying earlier, you know, you got to look at yourself and say, what can I do better? And you got to want it for yourself too. So, I mean, you know what I mean? So you, that's what I'm excited to do, man, just to trust the process this week, man, take it one day at a time and knowing that, you know, everything that I put in, in my effort and everything for is going to pay off on Sunday. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think we've had we've had a decent start. You know, I'm talking in terms of the linebacker core and you and I, we've had a decent start to the season. But, I mean, you talk about these next nine games that we got left. <laughs> I don't think people people ain't seen nothing yet compared to what we about to do. You know, yeah. like we're... pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Ooh. You see the drippy, I'm fitted up. I'm in my car in the giddy up. Secure the bag, yeah, I get the bus. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. You see the drippy, I'm fitted up. I'm in my car in the giddy up. Secure the bag, yeah, I get the bus. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Ooh. I've been on the flex since flex on.